the best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. Well, the world rankings have never represented anything that actually makes any sense. That's offensive to our entire nation, Steve. We, we, we live and die by the world rankings here. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Delighted to say good morning to Mark Lawrenson. How are you, Mark? I'm all right, apart from my Wi-Fi failing. But you'd think that your life's over, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, isn't it? Uh, this weekend, Mark, uh, we look at the half-four game on, on Sunday first up. It feels like a significant enough one because last season, or last weekend, I should say, it feels like the common uh, mood is that Tottenham are the big winners from the weekend. Just a brilliant performance. They've added so much depth to their squad. They've got one of the best managers in the league. Everything is looking rosy in the garden. But to go to Chelsea this weekend, it sort of feels like there's an immediate pressure on Spurs to do something on Sunday. Yeah, I mean... You could say they made a, a mini statement beating Southampton, who actually looked like they're going to lose the manager any day as well. But um, they came back from the one nil um, deficit. But I, th- I think this is just firstly and foremost: why, why are these games so early in the season? You want another ten games before these two play each other. But I mean, the thing with Tottenham is, is yes, uh, outstanding manager. Yes, they made some very very good signings. Let's just see if they gel and. Um, you know, a big thing for them would always be that if Kane gets injured and, and he does seem to get injured during some stage of the season, um, will Richarlison take over? You know, will he be good enough? Will he be, not, be good enough to win enough games? I certainly think they will finish third in the league or be vying for third. I don't, I don't see them vying for first or second. They're not that good yet. It, it does seem that they are better placed this season to maybe withstand an injury to Kane. Like, I'm not saying yeah. they have anybody like it, but it, do, it does seem they've just bulked up significantly in the attacking positions. Yeah. I mean, Richarlison's obviously a good signing, um, so he'll, he'll make a difference. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, but Tottenham can be, you know, they call it down here, they can be a bit spursy, and a bit spursy is when you go away to Burnley and you get beat 1-0 and you don't even look like a team. Now, that's happened probably too often in the last few years. Now, I would imagine with the players that Conti signed, that will not happen. It'll be something that he's identified and that will make all the difference. But let, let's just wait and see. They've, they've made a good start, as I say, with Southampton at home. Um, they look like they're going to be certainly a, a very good side, but you just never know, dear. There's also the element of the shiny new thing to a degree about Tottenham Conte isn't there as, as long as some of the other managers around him mm. in those, those top few clubs and I guess you could say something similar about Arsenal that it feels kind of like on vogue to say that, that Tottenham and Arsenal are, are going to maybe get into the top four and maybe people are sleeping on Chelsea just a little bit Mark it, it kind of feels like we've forgotten that they've won the Champions League yeah. a couple of seasons ago some of the new signings looked excellent last weekend could, could they be the ones really out of that, that chasing pack to really put the pressure on the top two well, well, the way the, the way they're going about signing players, and obviously the, the window's still open for a bit, and you know, with the new owner coming in, it seems as though it's money, no object. So, I wouldn't mind betting by the end of the transfer deadline that they might have another two or three, mm. and they and they won't be players like, oh yeah, well we bought him just you know, to, to, he's going to be good in about eighteen months. They will be ready made. I don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever. So it's very much with them as well. I think I watch this space and. Um, you know, they've got a good manager, as we know. They're going to be very, very organised. That's part of two called badge. And if they get the players in, it's the forward players, isn't it? That, the rest of the team looking at the way they're going. And if you sign Fafana from, uh, from Leicester City as well, 
the rest of the team looks very good, compact. They know the way that they play. Thiago's still a very good player. Reads, reads the game fantastically. But it's up front. Goals win your games, as everybody knows. And, you know, look at the fuss over Haaland last week. And, and quite rightly so. But they don't have anybody like him. And that's going to be maybe going to be the problem. Who they actually get in that's going to score the goals to get them in the top three or even in the top two. What's your take on how that will shake out then? I presume you're going City and Liverpool as your top two. Yeah. How do you see the teams and, and how do you see the order of the teams behind them? Well, um, I, would, I would say, you know, on, because it's Conti, I just think that they'll, they'll finish third. I think it's between them and, uh, and Chelsea. I don't... I look at Arsenal. Yes, they signed some good players, but they don't convince me as yet. Even even in their first game against Palace, Palace had quite a few opportunities at, at one nil down. Um, it's obviously it's a good start for them because it's a difficult place to go. As everybody knows now, Crystal Palace. But I'm not convinced by them. Um, Man United, I don't think they can be anywhere near. Looking at them, there's so much work to do there. West Ham just don't have basically the players that are going to get them in the top four. Uh, am I missing anybody? No, I don't think I am. Am I thinking that's probably about it? Maybe the Amazon documentary will change your mind on Arsenal. Um, what is that? I haven't seen it. Any good? <laughs> it's pretty good to be fair, but uh, I mean, uh, like you could, you could be persuaded. You can check it out, and we'll get you on again, Mark, to to, right, to, to okay. chat through it. Yeah, I'll have, I'll, have a, I'll have a look at it. I didn't even know they made one, but I mean, <laughs> they're all they're all. It's, it's the thing about it. It's it's the good bits and the bad bits from the documentaries, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and also I guess the club gets you know it welcomes a, a lot of filmmakers into the, to the club. So I'd always be conscious that it's maybe too glowing a representation of a manager or, or a set of players sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, listen, I mean, you know, I mean, he, he signed some good players, Arteta, but um, I just don't, you know, Arsenal are very much kind of win three or four games and then likely to, to lose a couple and draw a couple. That's the way that they've been, and it's it's not just quality of the players. I think it's a mentality. Um, you know, I mean, when they came when they came to Liverpool last year, I don't know if you remember, but they were playing really well for about 25 minutes, and then Arteta and uh, Klopp had a had a row on the uh, on the touchline, and Arsenal completely lost it. It was like, wow, it was just just over a row between two managers, and you're thinking, hmm, I'm not sure between the years that they're ready to actually be such a good team. Mm. I think something that happened there as well it sort of riled up the crowd at Anfield yeah. even more so yeah. I, th- I think that's one thing you don't do when you're going to Anfield no no absolutely when you talk through your top six there I get the sense that maybe you're not even convinced Manchester United are, are definitely going to be in there or, or are you like are, are you no, think, is that, are they I vulnerable I think by hook or by crook, they, they, they will get there. Okay. But just, just, I mean, like everybody watching the game last week, for the first 10 or 15 minutes, they looked okay. But, I mean, Brighton um, were, were so very good against them. And they, they'd, they tactically just completely outplayed them. And I just think the thing with, with Manchester United, there is so much work to do. But I think also the mind has to convince all the players about the way that they want to play. And, you know, that just doesn't happen in weeks. It takes months. And also, if, if he thinks that the people in there aren't good enough, he's going to have to change the personnel, which he's, he's currently trying to do. I mean, who's going to play up front for them? Who's going to score all their goals? So it's such an easy one. I mean, and to be fair, with, with Ronaldo, you know, love him or hate him, when he came on, he, he looked the most lively of anybody. But, of course, he wants to go. And just the whole thing is a massive, massive problem. 
it feels like the same problems that we were picking through last April still exist right now. And yeah. I guess that speaks to just deeper issues at the club. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, I have this theory, rightly or wrongly, but when, when, when Fergie finished, David Gill finished with him. Now, now David Gill was, and I know him, he's just a, a great, great operator in terms of players in, players out. He'd been at the, been at the job a long, long time. And uh, when Edward Woodward got in, he'd, he would got all the sponsorship. So he, I think he convinced the Americans that, you know, he was such a good operator. And they thought, well, let's let him get in charge of the football rather than, rather than everything else. And he just wasn't up to it. And consequently, they're paying the price because, you know, the buying and selling has just been, well, it's just been ordinary in the be- at the best. The questions then will remain over like what are they going to do in midfield and it, and it feels mm-hmm. that their transfer policy has been unbelievably reactive that Frankie de Jong and that situation of course a lot of that was out of their hands but they've allowed that to drag on all season and it feels like the Adrian Rabio links are now very reactive and I guess before you get to that point you're looking at a starting midfield last weekend of Fred and McTominay and Manchester yeah. United fans must be thinking how are we in this endless cycle of misery? Absolutely and, and you know it, it looks like it looks to me like there's been a list of players that they want, and now they're probably about down at six or seventh on that list for the players. And as you as you as you rightly say, they're just reacting to the fact that you know they can't get your man, so they go and try and get somebody else. That just doesn't seem to be the basis of a plan. Um, in and I'm just looking at them. I mean, it, defensively, they were defensively. It was just really, really strange. I mean, two centre backs looked like they just met, which you know, in all honesty, probably only have done about two or three weeks ago. So he's got to start from the back. The goalkeeper is obviously a top goalkeeper, but you really he's going to have to start from the back forwards because they were so easy to get at. I mean, Brighton could have won, you know, three, four, five. So. He's got that problem first before anything else, before he's even got to think about strikers, about midfield players and all. And it's just a, a massive, massive job. And now, as everybody knows, they're going to try and buy players. And if, if you're, a, you're a chief executive of a top football club and you know that Manchester United won't want to play, you're going to ask for absolute fortune. So it's a real, real difficult position that they're in. But, and it's of their own making, unfortunately. Yeah. You, you say that by hook or by crook, they'll get to sixth. But if you had to pick a team that'll push them all the way and, and maybe trying to shop that top six who would it be like, like I mean you look at Leicester and West Ham who have at least a muscle memory of going the distance and pushing the top four over the past couple of seasons and well, then Newcastle have all the money and Brighton show that they're, they're going to be a quality team this season as well so is there anybody in that collection of teams that, that you think could could push the top six? No okay. no there isn't um, look at look. I mean what's happening at Leicester Every, everybody's trying to get out jump ship um, I don't think up to now they haven't, they haven't bought anybody, have they? So which is a really strange one. Have they? Have they? You know they've got um, a brand new training ground which they've spent absolute fortunes on. Is is the owner looking at that and thinking we need to recap some of the money? Well, it looks like it at the moment because you know all their better players there's offers for them to take them by all the different clubs. So that's a real worry. And um, who else did we say? I mean Newcastle probably. If they finish top ten, uh, looking up to about eight, that would be a good season for them. But they've they've been cute as well, by the way, in, in their signings. They've not gone out and spent absolute fortunes. They've, they've been quite clever, and it, it's a really softly, softly catchy monkey approach, and it's and it's working, I think, for them. I don't, just don't, I just don't see anybody else. I think that'd be one of the stories of the season, which is like six to twelve, 
will be interchangeable throughout the what eight nine months of the football season. Yeah, I think that's probably spot on when we look at how the next little while will pan out. Just wanted to ask you about Liverpool as well, Mark. Uh, mm. la- last weekend, obviously, the, the big talking point uh, probably was, was Darwin Nunez's uh, debut, but, but really it's Thiago's injury, isn't it? That, that is the, the big talking yeah. point for, from Liverpool's perspective. So w- was there a little bit of an alarm bell going off anyway with regards to the reinforcements that, the, that they haven't, I guess, acquired in midfield and, and how well stocked they are in that department? Yeah, well, I think if you you know if if you look at the three departments of, of the team, so you know defensively including goalkeeper obviously, and then and, and the front players, the front three who we think they will be regularly, they're, they're outstanding. But the, but the midfield at the moment has a little bit of look of, of average about it without Thiago because I mean, Thiago is such an outstanding player and he sees passes that other mortals don't see, but he's prone to injuries and. Um, that's not going to go away as he gets a little bit older and, and, and you look at them. And I know a couple of young lads, uh, Harvey Elliott and stuff, I think they think oh, they've given him a brand new contract, haven't they, yesterday, I think. And they, and they think he's got a real chance, but you wouldn't want to play him every single week. So they look, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of a look in midfield, like the ordinary cater. Has he ever really done it? Probably not. So... I mean, Henderson's a good player, and you know what you're going to get from him week in, week out. But there's, there's, there's no, there's no kind of X factor in that midfield at the moment. Whether whether they decide to go out and buy somebody um, remains to be seen. They've done this before, when you know all of a sudden they produced a rabbit out of the hat with Allison and, and Van Dijk and things like that. But um, it's an it's an interesting one because, as I said, there's there's no X factor in there. Cater's I mean, his case has been there since his fourth or fifth season. I don't think we've ever seen him really play like you know outstanding games on a on a regular and consistent basis. So it, it's a small problem. It's not a massive problem. But if you're seriously going to challenge Manchester City, you might have to address it before the end of the transfer window. Yeah, it does feel like we're we're constantly talking about the midfield area that that's mm. where they they need to strengthen. But Mark, what would you do like at the moment if there's no maybe X factor player out there at the minute to sign? Is it better to wait till you you see that that player you really want spend the, the money on on him, or is it a problem right now? We need we need to fix it now. Well, I think there's, there's quite a few injuries in there which I think Fluff alluded to. So it, it, that sounds to me like they're, they're going to stick with it. Um, as I said, they've got big hopes about Harvey Elliott. Um, he's sort of recovered from his injury, etc. It, it's, it, they've always been they've been very, very clever Liverpool since Klopp been there. Since Klopp's been there in, in, in the transfer market, um, sometimes I mean, look at Jota. Who knew Jota was going to sign for the football club? All of a sudden, he'd arrived at Liverpool, and there's an announcement that they signed him. Nobody even knew, which is unbelievable nowadays with, with the media, etc. So, I would imagine that they're looking round. Um, they'll have a list of players as well who, who they think they like to take, whether they can take them in terms of the money, all those all those kind of things. Um, just we have to wait and see. I mean, it's like anything. If I think they play Palace on Monday, don't they? And if he slips up against Palace, I think I think the phone call to America would be very very urgent. Yeah, it was a pretty poor performance for their their first game out against Fulham. They were nearly lucky to get a draw. I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah, they, well, they were sluggish, weren't they? They, they, they were sluggish. They had, they had a spell when it got to one-one where you kind of thought, "Go on, then go, go on and win the game." But obviously, Mitrovic um, managed to get the penalty certainly for for Fulham. I don't take anything away from Fulham. I thought they were very good and very, very competitive as well. It's the most competitive Fulham team I've seen for years and years because they normally roll over and lie down in front of you. But 
Yeah, they just just they just weren't at it. Um, so obviously Monday's game is a big game, and already people are saying, "Oh, you know, City've won. They look brilliant. Harland, they're going to absolutely walk the league and etc." But look, you know, thirty-seven more games to go, long season, injuries, all those, lots of form, all those kind of things. It, the, the the front two will be Manchester City and Liverpool. Um, whether Liverpool can hold on to City's cocktails remains to be seen. Yeah, and we, we mentioned Darwin Nunes coming off the bench in mm. each of the games. He's done really well. Do you think that maybe Osala's game might change a little bit with Nunes up front with him? No, I think I think it'll just be the same. I think um, certainly in the last 18 months, I would say Mo Salah's game has is, is become more well-rounded. I, I, there was always a, a, a part of me thinking that, you know, he just wanted to score every week. Uh, sometimes, it, you know, but not passing or getting his head up to play somebody else in. But I think that, that's changed a little bit. He's obviously got his new contract. He's happy. Um, you know, and I, I think, and he scored his goal last week. That they all, they all, all want to score. I mean, if strikers don't score, they don't think they play, do they? But Nunes is going to be a top player. I think everybody can see that. And what we might have is between those two, certainly, at least, um, Going for the going for like top goal scorer, which is very very healthy. Obviously, I mean the top the top players. Liverpool is still a top top side. It may be not quite be as good as Manchester City at the moment. And Mark, for you, it's the first time I think in I think you spent twenty years at the BBC. It's the first time now you're watching on without being a, a pundit um, mm. and predicting. How has that been? Um, well, it's all right. Twenty five years apparently. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't really. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, I can't, listen, I can't remember yesterday, so don't worry about it. But, um, yeah, it's good. I've just, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, I've just done this thing with Paddy Power, which is a, a, a massive skit on what I did at the BBC in terms of the predictions. So um, have, a, have a look at it. So uh, I quite enjoyed it as well. But, no, listen, um, I'm still working. I work, I work at Liverpool during most of the games, etc. So I get to see loads of games. So it, it's it's all good and spend more time in Mallorca as the winter approaches. Very nice. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, Mark Lawrence, and no classified results. Saturdays just ain't the same anymore. Listen, <laughs> uh, what a what a decision that is, and I know, like I'm one of the old farts and everything, but it's like it was just it's five minutes, and you know the BBC's explanation that oh, there's a game at five thirty, and and the fact that nobody from the football department actually said oh this is why we're doing it, they were hiding behind this other excuse is just just amazing, and there's been obviously a massive outcry over here and people saying well you can get it on here you can get it on there but like you know when you go to games I mean if I don't see Liverpool I go and watch Preston and, and sometimes I might leave a little bit early because it might be a bit boring to be honest with it but you, what you do is you jump in the car you know 10 to 5 the games are still going on and you're listening to the commentary but you're getting all the scores coming in and the results it's, it's life it's football it's what we do yeah. yeah, like, can you ex- explain? Like, it's it's obvious. Like, what what you just said there is why there's been such an outcry. But the the, the level of of the outcry this week was was actually quite notable. I thought this was something that might you know uh, be phased out, and then nobody would say much about it. But I'm really surprised by the the, the backlash this week. Can you can you try mm. and put into words about wh- why we've seen that level of backlash? Well, because I I just think people look at it and and listen. You know, we live in an age where where woke is very much. Uh, Every day, every, everything about it, and every, you know, you can't say stuff and all that kind of. It's just one of those strange, strange things that I just feel somebody in the ivory tower at the BBC has decided. Well, we, we we don't need to do that now. It can't be a financial thing because it's just one person 
reading the results for eight minutes. So I'd, I, I, you know, and as I said before, the fact that nobody from the football department actually said, well, this is the reason why. So they're obviously, they, I would think, would completely disagree with the decision. But in the end, they've had um, not nothing to say about it, but no say in mm. terms of, you know, the big buses at the BBC, which is just, just a very, very strange thing. But then if you, if you look across um, lots of people at, at the BBC who are, you know, approaching older age, shall we say, uh, they're starting to lose their jobs. So um, make out of that what you wish. Forgive me for... Um, for, for James Alexander Gordon, was that the, the reader of the... the, the no, Charlotte, Charlotte Green sorry, was sorry. the last one. James, James Alexander Gordon was on for years. For years, years yeah. Years. Oh, man, what a, what a voice as well, unbelievable. But Charlotte, Charlotte Green was the last one, um, which, 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 you know, we think about it, I think she might have done 10 years now, but that was like, whoa, a woman reading the football results, whatever next, which is nuts, isn't it? Because and she had a great voice and she was really, really good at it. So, ah, I don't know. I, you, you know, as you get older, you kind of look at stuff and you think, oh my God, is that really what's happening to the world? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's certainly been a, a big story this week. Mark, listen, it's been great chatting to you once again this morning. Thanks a million for taking the call. No problem. Thank you. See you Cheers. later. See you Bye. Bye, Mark. Bye. Bye. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.